A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Let me now sing of my friend, my friend's song concerning his vineyard. My friend had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it he built a watchtower and hewed out a wine press. Then he looked for the crop of grapes, but what it yielded was wild grapes. Now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done? Why, when I looked for the crop of grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Now, I will let you know what I mean to do with my vineyard. Take away its hedge, give it to grazing, break through its wall, let it be trampled. Yes, I will make it a ruin. It shall not be pruned or hoed, but overgrown with thorns and briars. I will command the clouds not to send rain upon it. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. The people of Judah are his cherished plant. He looked for judgment, but see bloodshed, for justice, but hark the outcry. Verbum Domini. Visit this vine and protect it. 
The vine your right hand has planted, the Son of Man you have claimed for yourself. Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then the peace of God, that surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the peace, then the God of peace will be with you. Verbum Domini.
Dominus vobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matteum. Gloria Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants, who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. Verbum Domini. Today in the first reading, we have a reading from Isaiah 5, and it's this beautiful image that Jesus takes up in the gospel, that of a vineyard. <clears throat> now, the vineyard is Israel <clears throat> in the Old Testament, and this passage begins by saying, let me now sing of my friends a song concerning his vineyard. It's like this poem, it's this hymn, this beautiful vision of what God wants to do with Israel. That Israel's the vineyard. He plants it on a fertile hillside. He spades the, the ground, clears away the stones. He plants the choicest of vines, builds a watchtower, and he hews out a wine press. And that's a, a lot of work, right? To hew out a wine, a stone wine press. You're gonna, you know, cut out the center of that to make a press, to clear that land, to cultivate the soil. Lots of work, lots of effort. You can think of, of modern vineyards. You know, maybe you've seen a movie about winemaking or something, and you can see <clears throat> that, you know, there's this real 
art and culture, well, round wine, and it's so careful, and there's so many variables in it, and how much care and delicacy it takes. You know, wine represents kind of the extra of life. You take grapes, ordinary grapes, and makes this beautiful drink to enjoy. It represents the more in life. And yet the fruit here is wild grapes, grapes that are useless. And he says, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done? Isaiah 5 says that. So I'll take away the hedge, that hedge of protection around Israel, give it over to grazing, break through its wall, let it be trampled, let it be ruined, overgrown. This is Isaiah chapter 5. He's prophesying in the 700s BC. Eventually, Israel, the capital city of the south, will be overrun in the Babylonian captivity. The temple will be destroyed. So this is a, a prophecy, an image of what could have been or what I had given you. You failed to live the covenant. You failed to live this communion with me. And this is what happens. So Jesus takes up the same image, and he's addressing the chief priests and the elders of the people. So he adds to the image tenants that are in charge of the vineyard. So he's addressing the leaders of that time, the authority. And again, he speaks of planting a vineyard in this parable, putting a hedge around it you know, for protection from the animals and things, putting a wine press, building a, a watchtower, and then it was leased, leased to the tenants. The tenants don't own it, right? Israel, and we see in the passage, the church belongs to Christ. And the owner sends his servants, we're told in, in, in the parable, his prophets, with whom the, the leaders built, uh, beat, killed, and stoned them. But surely, the owner says, they'll respect my son. Well, they took him and threw him outside of the vineyard and killed him. It's an image of the crucifixion. He's, he's crucified outside the city walls on the city garbage dump amidst two criminals. So the owner, again, is God. The vineyard is his people. And to some is reflected, too, that the image of the vineyard is you know, the people and also the way of life that he's calling us to, the grace that he gives us for communion, that, that that vine is also us on an individual level, that to thrive, we must be joined, grafted onto the true vine, Jesus. If we lose that communion, we wither away, and we're good for nothing but to be thrown in the pile and burnt. So this life of grace that we're called to live, that we are called to cooperate with grace we've been given, <clears throat> that love can only be repaid by love. That's the sending of his son. That's done out of love. What more could he possibly do to reach us, to guide us, than to give us his son, the word, Jesus Christ? And what is our response? Is it unrequited love? We see that maybe in life at times we experience that, falling in love with someone, 
was not returned. How painful and sadly lacking that is. What could have been if two people came together and fell in love, the human flourishing that could take place. Now you have the absence of that. It's a beautiful image of flourishing, just this vineyard, that all this work is done, and then you're given these, these grapes to make this beautiful wine out of. That comes through much labor and effort as something we must do you know, to foster this communion with the Lord and the tenants, the, the, the ones that are least running, the authorities are to foster this, this union. And Jesus has left us the revelation of, of himself, his plan for our salvation in scripture, tradition, that we have the sacramental life out of our tradition, that all that, that grace that he merited for us on Calvary flows over to us in the sacraments. He plants grace within us in baptism, confirmation, forgives us our sins, you know, in the sacrament of reconciliation, gives us the Eucharist to bring this communion, this thriving about in our life. This holiness, we could say, this union with Christ is preeminent. We can never lose focus on that. It's like, I think what we see in democracy today. If the, there's a certain level of virtue required of the people for a democracy to work. The values they have are reflected in elected leaders whom they elect, what they, you know, what they call them to. And in the church, if we lose sight of that personal call to holiness, it all goes bad. That, that needs to to happen for that, that flourishing. So Jesus quotes from Psalm 118, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, it's wonderful in our eyes. Earlier in Matthew's gospel, he enters Jerusalem and you know the part of Psalm 118 is, is sung about that God is saving, that Hosanna, you know, the, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So he's, he's building upon what has happened however many days before and is saying this rejection that you leaders are doing, you know, chief priests, the elders, you know, this rejected stone is the cornerstone. You're rejecting the, the most vital and important part so the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produce its fruit. Speaking of the church, the new Israel, the cornerstone is, of course, the block, the foundation stone laid that the two walls coming together will be joined and strengthened through that cornerstone. Joined that we have communion with God and Jesus, we have communion with one another, and certainly we're strengthened by his grace, by the gift of his Holy Spirit. First Peter talks about saying, come to him, that living stone. Like living stones, be yourselves 
built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. That cornerstone is vital. It happens only in Jesus Christ. There's no, there is no other way. There's no other mediator. There's no other path. If we're saved, it's through Jesus Christ. Now, someone can be ignorant, if not received that revelation, following the light of his conscience, grace he's been given, he can be saved, but still, it's through Christ alone that this is happening. The church is the seed, sign, and instrument of that kingdom. And that's what Jesus has left us, this place that we can be cultivated into this healthy, beautiful, fruitful vine. He's gone to extraordinary lengths, the Father sending his Son, sending us the prophets of the Old Testament to foster this union. May we be faithful to the gift we've been given and have this flourishing vineyard that he asks of us.